1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, White Whales, wherever you are today. Uh, so looking right now, it is September 22nd. Uh, Bitcoin is is sitting right around 19500 Um Really not a ton of great economic news on the horizon, but it is a green day in the crypto market. So, uh, you know, when we're not in this this bull run, which means, you know, when you're in a bull, you throw a dart at the dartboard, and it's like, did you just outpace all the other green arrows that you're moving up? When we're not in a bull and we're we're a little bit of a bear, um, it, that's where really some of the great innovation happens, because suddenly the developers, the 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 minds, can kind of pull back and say, let's let's really think about this, um, not from a monetization t- standpoint, but from a utility and also kind of a legacy standpoint. Like we want things to live on, um, and so I'm here today with with Twam, and and really want to kind of dive into, you know, kind of the background of where he started from, because this is probably one of the more different projects, because it seems like it's combining a little bit of... Real world with digital, um, you know, blockchain, and so I, I think that that's always really interesting when we kind of start going from just the JPEGs in in uh, blockchain space um, to actually something that you can physically hold in your hand. Um, so, so, Twam, let's go ahead before we get into what you're working on today. Um, you know, a little bit of your background because it's it's a very interesting story of how you got here.
2: For sure, Th- thanks so much, Jay. Really appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Uh, my background, I, I I started out as a as a physicist at Caltech and. Um, you know I, I didn't really know what i wanted to do but a friend of mine came up with a really cool way to do some simulations for how light goes through small opt electronic devices and uh, so he started a company and i helped him get that going and uh, raised about half a million dollars in venture and uh, did that while we were still undergrads at caltech during the uh, the late 90s tech bubble and uh, you know everybody knows how that tech bubble wound up and it collapsed around us. But, you know, we were fortunate that the, uh, the, the company got rolled into another company, which then later got sold to a very big company. So, you know, I can't say my experience was all good, nor was it all bad. Um, but, you know, that really instilled in me the passion to be an entrepreneur. I really loved uh, kind of being on the forefront and the bleeding edge of technology. And uh, that kind of, you know, really helped me think about what my next steps were. I mean, most of my friends were going to grad school to get their PhDs. I'm sitting there designing you know loudspeakers designing code doing doing certain things to try to figure out well oh my gosh where am I going to innovate next um, so I, I did. I, I built custom high-end loudspeakers for a while. And, and Jay, you know, feel free to interrupt me anytime. Um,
1: no, no. I you, listen. I, I own lots of loudspeakers. Which wh- oh, like, okay. Like, like you can remember, we're at the end of the day, we're geeks. Like, blockchain is just the focus we have today. But we've all kind of come up through the ranks of like, what's the nerdiest things that we can play with over time. So you're, you're, yeah, yours yeah. all fit right within our wheelhouse here.
2: Cool, cool. So uh, yeah, I have a couple patents on uh, loudspeaker technology that I. Uh, invented while i was an undergrad at caltech and they they own the patents on them so that's pretty cool uh you know they they paid all the money for it so uh they get to have them but uh you know so i I did that for a few years uh in the beverly hills area i was designing and building custom high-end loudspeakers for wealthy people as well as doing some consulting for uh you know commercial loudspeaker companies and um you know, I, I, it was a lot of fun, but at some point, you know, the 2 a.m. calls from uh, attorneys trying to figure out how to work their DVD player just wasn't... You know, I, I, didn't, I couldn't imagine myself doing that for the rest of my life, so I, I decided to, to you know, close up shop. I went to business school, and while in business school, I started working with a, with a few former venture capitalists and a few other people in that kind of vein, and uh, I got introduced to an opportunity at UCLA and there was a group of professors that had a really interesting technology on on how to vaccinate uh, people against Staph aureus and candida so you know the 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 guy the main guy there came to me one day and he said you know you've you've started a company you kind of have the the drive and the passion to to go and do things you know can you help me start this i need your help and i and i said sure and so, um, you know, my very first day of, of biotech was basically creating a uh, biotech business plan. I dragged it around in my backpack, started to raise money, and uh, fortunately, you know, after graduating, I was able to, to raise a uh, $18 million Series A, which included uh, Domain Associates and Kleiner Perkins. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of started my, my biotech entrepreneurial journey. And so, you know, working on a few projects in biotech space, consulting on a few more, uh, you know, eventually... For Novadime that's the company that I co-founded. We raised a little bit more than uh, seventy million dollars in funding through both venture and federal uh, support, and uh, and then in twenty fifteen twenty sixteen, you know the the we had a successful positive phase two clinical trial data for a vaccine, but uh, lo and behold, there wasn't much pull from pharma at that time. There wasn't much interest in in infectious disease or vaccines, and so you know the technology is now sitting on the shelf of a of a European pharma company. So you know, it, it, I, I, I value the experience that I had. It wasn't a, it wasn't a phenomenal exit for us, but, um, you know, I, I, the path is what's important. And so I applied that experience to a few other companies. Uh, most recently was a company called Vivace Therapeutics, who's developing an oncology drug currently in phase one clinical studies. I helped uh, Vivace raise a, a $30 million Series C when I was there. Uh, including RA Capital Management, which is like an $8 billion venture fund and uh, and Boxer Capital. And, you know, they're on the races. So, you know, I, I think this is just the way that, you know, entrepreneurial journeys go. You know, you, you, you take what you can from the path and you, you cross your fingers that it's going to work, especially in biotech. You know, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers now for something that might happen five years from now in the clinical study, right? Um but, but these uh, you are
1: really these are really interesting, you know, experiences that that I think a lot of people that are building in blockchain right now may not understand. <clears throat> you know, the reason for the innovations of things like DAOs, the innovation of reasons, you know, why why there's such a need for an open ledger, um, is exactly the things that you just said happened. Is you know. <clears throat> creators, people that, that put in the, the, the energy. And I understand capital, capital is easy. We can, we can find money from anywhere, but, but the idea to create something that changes the world and then actually properly use it by the people that understand it, um, is exactly why DAOs will end up, you know, kind of eating the world is because you can suddenly have people, especially in an oncology, um, you know, type, type, uh, you know, patent and, and this could save people's lives. And sitting on the shelves of of some random company just because you know it's not interesting to them at this point um, is where the world is headed um, to get away from um, is is these these centralized gatekeepers that choose what you're going to see, why and how, um, compared to if you were able to to, to build that today again with a DAO um you know the only the only thing stopping you would be is there enough interest um and, and i think that that's really a, a bunch of fascinating which is why we always start with kind of the background because it, regardless of whether it's related to blockchain or not um you just showcased three or four use cases for why blockchain cryptocurrencies and, and web3 technologies are desperately needed um in in both healthcare, finance and, and other avenues
2: yeah i think um you know, for for better or for worse, when you have disruptive technology like blockchain coming out, there's going to be you know early adopters. You're going to have skeptics. You're going to be have people that are so kind of dug into their position, and it becomes more of a a fight over emotion than a than a fight over reality. And uh, you know, I've I've just witnessed this through throughout. You know, my career in blockchain, uh, as well as, you know, trying to introduce the concept of what we're working on to my parents, to my friends, and trying to recruit people that I have tremendous respect for to come in and help me. And they say, well, you know, isn't isn't blockchain this and this? And I say, nah, that, that's what people do with the blockchain. That's not what blockchain is. And so I think, uh, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of education. The world is going to be flipped upside down by what comes out of blockchain in the next five to 10 years. And we're not going to recognize the world that we live in today.
1: Comple- I completely agree and I mean everything we build with with web 3 technologies i in my head I've got a you know I've got a 10 year old and a 15 year old and that's who we're building for you know the, most of the most of the people that are our age that have gone through this that that you know kind of predated uh web one um, those of us dinosaurs like we just look at the world a little differently like if I shut down my computer or you know delete a delete you know my social media accounts like life goes on I'm totally fine um but that's not the next generation they were born with a mobile you know device and always connected. Um, and so they really think of things differently so the idea of true digital ownership the idea of true digital identity um, is is something that they're craving desperately desperately for uh, so they don't have to start over all the time I mean the idea of moving from one game to one game or one social media platform to other social media platform and losing all your likes or your shares and your fake internet points which can be turned into real internet points and and sometimes monetizable through through great things like DeFi because you know if Reddit suddenly just started distributing you know upload coins, who knows? Somebody, a marketer may want to buy them and, and use that kind of cloud. So there's a lot of, a lot of really amazing use cases. Um, but you obviously have, you know, you, you've done a lot. Uh, you have a lot of really, you know, amazing experiences. Um, and, and I'm guessing you've got a few kind of very uh, intricate passions and hobbies uh, that, that you've kind of <laughs> been, been ingrained with in your life. So let's talk a little bit about those and leading into the project uh, that you're working on today.
2: Sure. So, so two of my favorite hobbies, and uh, you'll, you'll certainly appreciate why I started Collector. Two of my favorite hobbies. One is uh, Magic the Gathering. So I started playing uh, Magic in early 1994 when I was in uh, kind of late middle school time. And I just fell in love with the game. It was kind of a brand new way to, to play you know, Dungeons and Dragons on the lunchroom table for 15 minutes. You know, You didn't have to have this huge campaign like you see in Stranger Things going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great thing for me because me being a geek and a nerd, it, it allowed me to kind of uh, I- experience that passion and hobby with fellow like-minded people and just really, really get into it. So it was, it was kind of my community and my thing. So I was, uh, you know, I call myself a, a semi-professional player. Um, I wrote for Scry Magazine back at the time. I won a few big tournaments in the New York City area. And, um, you know, I collected a bunch of cards. So, you know, what's, what's left of my collection, you see back here and in the, in the nice big safe in the back. Um, and I've just held on to them for a long period of time. So, you know, I just love the hobby. Uh, the other passion of mine was, uh, was, was blockchain. So initially when I heard about Bitcoin in like probably 2011, 2012, I said, oh my goodness, this is, ju- this is just going to flop. Nobody wants to buy, buy this thing. And then all, I just kept on watching it, watching it, watching, and I said, "What are people doing? What's going on?" And then it went all the way up to a thousand bucks, and it dropped down to two hundred or something. And I said, "All right, I'm going to get in now." And so I started mining Bitcoin on my desktop, and I did that for a few years until the the ASICs caught up, and it didn't make any sense to me to do that. And then I got into Ethereum. You know, I love I love gaming, and so I had a a nice rigor ready with uh, two graphics cards, and whenever I wasn't gaming, I was mining Ethereum. And, uh, you know, that kind of just started getting me deeper and deeper into the, into the community and the system. And, um, you know, all the while I'm, I'm here being a, a biotechnology executive and, you know, my passion and hobby is in something completely different. And so, you know, when I finished my, my last uh, biotech gig, I, I kind of said, well, you know, with, with DeFi, that was a really cool time over the summer. You know, looks like NFTs are starting to get really popular now. Uh, you know, maybe it makes sense for me to, to kind of nurture this idea that I had, uh, which merges my two passions of collectibles as well as my passion for blockchain into an idea and a concept, which is really to um, to create something that's beneficial for the community and the ecosystem. And, you know, having been a collector for the last 30 years, happy happy birthday, Magic the Gathering. It's your 30-year anniversary. Um, you know, having having done that for so long you know I, I, I know where all the cracks in the system are I know where people get defrauded I know where people are paying too much money um, which is you know if you, if you're thinking about your passion and a hobby there's nothing worse than to than to have that be stepped on or destroyed or, or made made worse and you know I, I've had so many good experiences with this and I and I and I want to make sure that you know we build the ecosystem for collectibles to support You know, people enjoying the hobby and not having to constantly worry about, you know, getting, getting, you know, transaction fees being too high or getting defrauded over here or not knowing what to do there. So everything I'm doing is really to to try to put the hands back in the power of the collector so that they can determine their own future. And, you know, blockchain is just the perfect medium to be able to do that.
1: No, I, I, I obviously I completely agree. Um, and and so let, let's kind of talk. Just dive right in and let's hear the elevator pitch um, because I think we've we've definitely given uh, anyone who's who's interested in in kind of just any trading card or, or any kind of passion around the, these physical physical items. And and you know uh, there's a there's an entire industry on is this real or is this not? Um, yep. You know I know people that have cards that are that are you know worth four or five digits. Um, you know and and I know they go up from there. So I mean it's 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 really amazing to kind of hear, uh, you know, the old this old thirty years old, and suddenly this new technology blockchain fits in and solves a need that you guys have been struggling with for a while. So I'd I'd love to hear uh, the solution.
2: Yeah, so so uh, you know, I the 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 problem, the friction came to me. You know, I I, I've had these cards for a long time since the the early to mid nineties, and I have about ten thousand assets behind me that each have significant value. Right, so if I were to go in and say, okay, how do I how do I get value out of this? How do I sell them? You know, the obvious answer is eBay. I think eBay was a phenomenal innovator in the late 90s to be able to bring people together from across the country in a kind of a trustless way to allow them to do these transactions. But it's not foolproof. And and so part of the issue is that, you know, with eBay is not eBay itself. It's with what people do with eBay. And, um, you know, I'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, it, let's say if I want to go and sell a card and here's, Here's a manager, and This card was printed in 1994. It's worth a few hundred bucks. If I wanted to go and sell this card on eBay, what I have to do is I have to go and, you know, I'm not going to use my phone to take a picture because then it's going to look bad. So I need to use a flatbed scanner. I need to go in and retouch the colors. I need to go in and put that on an eBay posting. I need to go in and... and write the right content and text so that people have trust in what I'm selling. Then when somebody wins the auction, I have to go and follow up with them. Can you make payment? Here's where you do it. Oh, I need to ship the item. I need to go and find a package to put this in. I go to FedEx. I go and ship it with FedEx and I come back and all of a sudden, you know, I've sold a card for 300 bucks. It's taken me two hours worth of time. And, and you know, to me, I, I could spend that time consulting and make twice as much. And it's not worth it to me. So I I have cards worth hundreds of dollars just sitting around, you know, that I can't really do anything with. And that's assuming the transaction goes well. Um, If the transaction doesn't go well, I had an experience last summer where I sold a card to somebody in Croatia. And that card went into customs going into Croatia and got stuck for two months. The card stuck for two months. And then basically the card got returned to me. I asked the buyer, I said, hey, are you interested in getting this card back? Oh no no! I don't want to. I don't want to wait another two months for it. And then I go to eBay. I say, eBay, you know, this card got returned to me after two months being stuck in customs. Can I get my transaction fees back? Oh no no! It's beyond. It's beyond our window for that. So it's just you know that's kind of what I mean about the feel bad. It's, that feels bad. Uh, here's something that I should be enjoying. You know, my time doing, and now I'm dealing with customs hassles. I'm dealing with chargebacks and returns. I'm dealing with high transaction fees. And it's like man i'm done i don't want to i don't want to do this anymore so you know what 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 i'm doing here with collector is basically taking our physical assets our cards and i'm creating a mechanism to take these cards and represent the ownership of these items on the blockchain and the way i do that is i take the card and you're able to and you know we're doing we're starting with graded cards so these are cards that have been Graded and verified by expert third parties. Some of them, like PSA and 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 CGC, have been around for decades, right? So these these are trusted brands. They go and look at the card under a microscope and make sure that that card is real and authentic. and uh, And then they go in and um, you know, what the idea is that the card will go to a vault. And there's several different vaults around the country and around the world that have you know t- climate controlled, high security foot foot-thick concrete walls. Think about like Fort Knox for collectible cards. And so these cards enter the vault. And once they're in the vault, then we can go in and say, all right, you know, we know the card is in the vault. We know the card is authentic. Now we can create an NFT that represents the, the digital certificate, the digital ownership of that card. And now once you have that NFT... You know, because people have trust in the vault, they have trust in the grading platform, and they have trust in our platform, they can do whatever they want with the NFT. I can I could send an NFT of this card to somebody in Japan on Solana in four hundred milliseconds. I can trade, you know, the person in Japan five minutes later can sell it to somebody in Australia. And you could do a whole bunch of things that for, for until now have been impossible right you know there there's it's very difficult for somebody in for example japan to buy something from somebody in europe on ebay you know the, these kind of like different mixes of things are very difficult and you know here in the united states we're so used to ebay being easy right you know because it's all done in u.s dollars it's all done through the you know fedex or u.s postal service but once you put customs in there once you put currency conversions in there once you put time of risk and jurisdiction, like, how am I going to sue somebody in Japan for selling me a card that's fake? You know, am I going to go in and go to small claims court in Japan? I have, I have no idea where even to begin. Right, so so you know th- these are kind of the things that we're going to solve by putting these into a vault where they're stored and insured and verified, and allowing people to run around in the blockchain and do whatever they want to do. Listed on a marketplace, listed on a collateralized lending platform, um, and you know at the end of the day, the value of the NFT is always tied to the value of the card. Because you'll be able to go to our platform, you'll be able to say, "Ship me the card, burn the NFT, and then we're done." you get the card shipped to you and and it's not being shipped by somebody like me who obviously doesn't know how to ship through Croatian customs. It's being shipped by a company that's been doing it for 30 years that has, you know, freight forwarders. They have all the right people in in place to make sure that card gets to where it wants to go.
1: You know, I, I absolutely love this and I've seen a, a few of these concepts with uh, watches and wine and a few others. Um, you know, because it does make sense. There's a lot of people that are collect- active collectors like you that, that buy, sell, and trade these things. You know, they they, they don't even look at them. They're, they're not interested in playing them. They're just, that's where they're focused on is this. And that core concept of, you know, how do we, you know, something as small of a card, um you know, there's, there's real no, like, you know, carbon footprint to this thing. It's, it's existed for, you know, years and years and years. And, you know, the, the weight of shipping a card um, is minor um, when you're talking about, you know, entire, like, you know 747s full of, of UPS packages and FedEx packages. But the reality is it is that time. And I think time is, that one, is the most valuable asset that any person can possibly have. Um, and as you said, you know, spending two, three hours on a frustrating process, even if it's correct, it's still, I, I you're right, I have an entire basement full of things that I have no interest in whatsoever. And I would absolutely eBay them. But I dread having to actually deal um, with with what happens when they sell, and and I know there's a gazillion eBay shops that will take care of your stuff, but I don't I, I don't want to deal with them either. So um, the the concept of 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 what you're doing, where you go, look, there's a there's a third party here that's validated, verified, and and, and confirmed what this is. There's a, a second third party, and it could be the same person um, that's storing these here, um, and so you can move this thing around the planet a thousand times, and it never never has to move. And and it doesn't take anyone's time away, didn't you know, distraction to be able to kind of, you know, say, hey, I've always wanted to own one of these. Oh, crap. Now, all of a sudden, I have an opportunity to own this over here. Well, let me resell this or, or free up the capital, you know, liquidate that for myself. Um, and so, I, I think it's a fascinating, um, you know, concept to do that, that it clearly is going to be coming. Talk, talk me through a little bit of the, um, basically, the, the process um, from start to finish. Um, and I know you have a demo that we can see as well. So, whatever oh, that's course, appropriate yeah, yeah. to bring in.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, you know, thanks for thanks for reminding me. Um, so the the process basically, you have to start you you have to start somewhere, right? If you have a raw card like this is a raw card, uh, we're going to be announcing partnerships with uh, grading companies where you'll be able to just ship the card to the grading company, and the grading company will either stick it in their own vault or they'll stick it or, or they'll send it to a different you know third party vault, as you're saying. And uh, so, you know, basically, you can get a stack of these cards, ship them into a grading company, and, and then once that whole process is done, you'll get an email saying your, your NFTs are ready to mint, come and do it. If you already have the cards that are slabbed, that, that's kind of the slang, the cards are slabbed, they're usually in these, uh, you know, uh, tamper-evident, uh, sonically-welded plastic cases. And basically, you know, that card is very difficult to damage when it's within the case. And the case, if it's been tampered with, it's pretty easy for an expert to see. So these cases you can take, imagine if you have, and and I know some people like there's a, I'm not going to name him, but there's a a very good blockchain attorney who, uh, (laughs) who's probably going to watch this show. Um, He has in his garage, in his house, he has literally stacks and stacks and stacks of these slabs. And they're just sitting there in his garage. And and he said, "Well, when you launch the platform, let me know. I, I'm going to take these all. I'm going to stick them in a box and ship them to the vault. And and now I can enjoy my hobby, in front of the in, you know without going through these stacks of cards. And um you know I, I think these are the people who were trying to to sell it to. So in his case, he would just go and take all the cards, stick them in a box, and ship them out. And and you know maybe maybe this is a, a great point for the uh, the demo. Let me let me share my screen here. Yeah, all please, right, please, please. So, th- this is still in closed beta. If you're if you guys are interested in in checking it out, you know, come come to our Discord channel. I'm sure they'll be in the show notes, and uh, you know, we'll get you access to the closed beta. We're we're kind of going into you know rolling waves of of bringing people on. We have about 60 people right now, you know, kicking the tires. That's so, amazing.
1: So and so real quick, you yeah, I can see uh, right here with your Phantom Wallet. You chose Solana as your as your blockchain. I believe that's the choice. What was all built on logic Solana? There?
2: So Solana, I think uh, you know we, we had a few different iterations of the idea. We obviously you know Eth layer one is is the home of NFTs. It's the heart of NFTs, but um, you know with the limited kind of transaction bandwidth that they had, and um, you know the high fees and the gas fees and that kind of stuff. You know our whole ethos is to try to make it as fast and simple and easy for collectors to use. And if somebody's going to pay twenty bucks to mint an NFT, you know that if the card's well worth fifty bucks. Score. Yeah, if the cards were 50 bucks, you know, now now you're dealing with other types of fees, right? And yep. uh, you never know with Ethereum, like, you know, right now it's pretty cheap to do stuff, but maybe three months from now, it'll be very expensive again. You never know. Uh, so we looked at a bunch of, uh, you know, Ethereum-compatible sidechains. We looked at Polygon. We looked at, you know, Arbitrum and some of these other things. And, you know, I think what we were really impressed with Solana on was the the ecosystem that they were growing in the NFT space. So, you know, thinking about like Magic Eden, they were just making such tremendous waves in the NFT space. A lot of new NFT projects were going there. And Solana really, to me, felt like it was becoming the home for where, you know, the, the, you know, the blue collar community was gonna go and hang out. This, this is where the people would go for their NFTs. This is where people would go to, to work on their projects because yeah, I mean, uh, Bored Apes and that kind of stuff, I think those are really cool. But you know, at this point, those are pretty inaccessible. And um, to most people and I and you know I wanted to make sure that where we built this platform, it would have maximal utility, highest you know bandwidth for number of transactions that can happen, lowest fees for for whatever you're doing on the blockchain. And you know the fees on Solana are almost non-existent and the speed is is just phenomenal. So you know what I'm going to show you here on the on the beta would take so much longer for all the the API calls and the blockchain calls that we're doing throughout the process on another blockchain. So I think just the user experience is going to be better.
1: Yeah, and the thing to point out for anyone listening that kind of maybe not fully understands some of the reasons for these things to exist is Solana is a new blockchain does not have the legacy code that Ethereum does. Ethereum was launched prior to NFTs even being a conceptual item, whereas Solana has built into the base code um, non-fungible items and the ability to have to have those in there. So on Ethereum, you actually have to write a separate contract. It could be an ERC, separate Twenty-one ERC eleven fifty-five, but it's an entirely separate, uh, essentially almost small DAP, you know, DAP, a contract that you have to put on chain. It sits on top of the chain, uh, and then people can react to it just the same as you could almost a wallet. Um, it's just a contract that sits there. Solana does a little bit differently. They've baked in so many features um, that that you know even on Ethereum are not even possible to do, and so it's a very different experience. Our, our Gen twos, uh, Crystal Wales, there's one of the Gen ones floating behind me right now. Um, you know, we, we did it on the Solana. Block. Blockchain and it was, we had to rethink everything we were doing because suddenly we had so much more freedom to to do you know conceptually things that aren't possible on Ethereum today.
2: Wow, great great answer, Jay. I'm going to use that next one. That that was awesome. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Uh, So so, you know, here's kind of the the dashboard in our platform. I'm going to look over here. I have another monitor, so I apologize if the audience is wondering what I'm looking at.
1: No, no. Uh, you could, you're you're playing a you're playing a game on the other one. It's fine,
2: <laughs> <laughs> playing magic. Uh, so so you know here we're going to have a screen where you could create a profile, and you know immediately you might say, well, what, what what's a profile for? I just want to have my wallet and cards. But a big part of collecting is being able to flex and show off your collection. So you know I'll show you why that's that's relevant here in a little bit. So I mean here's my my Twitter username. Uh, feel free to DM me on Twitter if you have any questions. Obviously, uh, this is not my real address, so don't don't worry about it. Um, but here's my username, right? So here here's kind of info you put in, and then it's so simple to to get a an NFT of your physical cards. So here you click the button for Mint PNFT, Mint Physical NFT. How many cards in your shipment? Three. Total value of your shipment: thirty thousand dollars. Description: three X Pokemon cards. I agree with the custody agreement. All right, let's create. Now all of a sudden you have you know what you need to do to ship the cards into the vault. You have your shipping identifier. So this is a QR code that you can take a scan of and ship it. In the box, you have the details that are in there and then you have the vault address. So now you take this information, you go to your local FedEx store and you say, okay, here's, here's the things I put in. Uh, we don't pay for your insurance. You have to pay for your own insurance. A lot of people ship these things without insurance. Um, personally, I, I, I have my own insurance policy that covers everything I ship, so I don't have to buy individual insurance on each one, but that's that's up to the user if they want to insure the shipment. They take the risk there. Um, go to the shipment, and here, so now I came back from FedEx. I have my tracking number, bop a bop just a fake number, hit submit, and now, we see that the item's in transit, we're going to follow that item through transit when it's been received by the vault, when the vault is processing it, so they're going to take high resolution scans of it and they're also going to populate the metadata for us, and then once it's ready to mint, you'll have this this lit up right here, and I, I apologize, I, I, I didn't have one spooled up for it, but basically there'll be a button where you can click right here that'll say mint the, the PNFT. And then you'll see a nice little animation of, of the, the transfer of the PNFT from our wallet to your wallet. And then, voila, it'll appear in your collection. And, and here it takes a little time because we're, of course, pulling the data off of uh, IPFS. And now you see the card assets for cards that are you know, in our DevNet vault. And so just, just for fun, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a, a Magic the Gathering card, the iconic Black Lotus. Um, hmm. So, here's the card. This, this card is just, you know, the most coveted Magic the Gathering card of all time, and there's a few different versions of it. This is one of the cheaper versions, but, you know, it's still worth a lot, 20,000 bucks. And, uh, you know, here you see more details. This, this card was graded by PSA. The grade was Mint 9. Here's the vault location. Uh, blockchain is on Solana. We do have plans to be multi chain so we have a place there. And then token ID, and you see here that all the data that you would expect with an NFT is actually stored in metadata. So here I'm on the SolScan uh, blockchain explorer. All the data is there, the images of the card, all the card attributes. So everything I mentioned about the card is all stored in the card metadata as well. And then, of course, you get to see the provenance, the trades, everything that happened, You know who who owns the contract that minted the token, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so really, it's it's... That's how easy it is to mint a PNFT of your physical asset. And now the question is, what can you do with it? So we haven't linked it up yet and we haven't announced it yet. We have an awesome announcement on the way about uh, a marketplace partnership that we have. And the idea is that you'll just come here, click this button. It'll link the card to the marketplace and you'll be able to say, okay, auction this card off. Uh, you know, set a, ask, I'm going to sell this card for $20,000. Anybody can come and buy it then or make an offer just like you would at any uh, NFT marketplace. Um, or you can come in here and do something and you could say, well, you know, I want to burn it. So don't burn the cards. But no I'm <laughs> just showing you here what Ta- it is. So,
1: Ta- Tom, I, I, yep. I, I have to, I have to tell you, this is one of the most um, in-depth, like, you know, use cases that I've seen of a physical, you know, real-life item matched to a digital NFT um, to date. And I see a lot of these things. And so I really want to just right off the bat give you and your team credit because the fact that you guys are even matching metadata from the NFT world into the, into the physical, you know, assets of this, um, it just suddenly makes sense. Uh, I think to a lot of people and I, I constantly try to explain, uh, you know, how NFTs can and should work in the physical world because you know, the, the JPEGs are, are cute and they're great. Um, some of them have utility, some don't, but what you've built here, and I, again, i I'm, I'm actively impressed, and it's hard to impress me at this point uh, in my life, um, is something that's really driving a lot of value towards towards collectors, but also I think towards um, a, a variety of other industries. Um, that are tied into this as well, you know, again, the, the loss of time, the the friction to do some of these things um, is, is the reason why some people don't get into certain hobbies. I don't have the time for that. I don't want to, you know, I, I like it, but I don't want to deal with it. Um, this is a, something that opens a gateway for people in certain parts of the world that ne- do not have access um, to to own these cards or be around these cards. And I, I'm, I really am, am very excited uh, about, the, you know, uh, uh, this, what you've done here. So congratulations.
2: Well thank you. That's so kind of you, Jay. really, really appreciate it. I mean, you know, I've been working on this uh, nonstop for the last twelve months, and I haven't taken a single penny of salary. So you know it's great to to get that compliment from from you especially. thank you.
1: no, absolutely. So so talk me through um how you built this. um what what's your team look like and and uh, and and then we'll dive into kind of the community that you built around this.
2: Sure. So our team, you know my my I have two, Co- uh, three co-founders uh, two came on a little bit earlier so they, I've known him for a long time so Dax is our chief technology officer I, I he was a friend of mine from back in the Caltech days and I'll, I'll just I'll just stop my screen share so that you can you kind of see me a little better um, and uh dax uh and was a big pokemon player back in the day and uh you know we, we we never really connected over collectible cards but i i knew he had a passionate he knew i had a passionate so it just kind of stayed in the back of my mind dax went on and got into uh cryptography in the early 2000s um and then he got into digital marketing he started up a digital marketing company that was acquired uh he became cto of the acquiring company um and then that that company um you know, fell apart at some point during the, uh, the, the great, you know, stagnation of, of 2011 or 2012. But then he started another digital marketing company, um, that with a, with a couple other people. And he, he's basically been responsible for creating, uh, online marketplaces for major fortune 500 brands. And, um, so I thought he would be a great fit, given his, you know, collecting experience, his crypto- cryptography background, as well as his experience building kind of uh, unique digital marketplace experiences for major brands. And so, I mean, I'm sure you see some of the, the 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 work that he's done here with how the UX and how easy it is just to do everything on the platform. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have a fellow, a uh, uh, really good friend, um, Richard, and, and Richard is a, is a math geek from University of Santa Cruz. He's a uh, game designer. So he, he, he not only, you know, codes and does that kind of stuff. He, as a hobby, he goes and builds games and he'll go in and, and take cardboard and cut things out and really kind of piece it together. And then he loves to have people over his house and building these games and stuff. And, you know, it's just a... Um, He's just a great person to to interact with and, and bounce ideas off of because he's always thinking, you know, how do we how do we make this a good experience for people and how do we, you know, make sure that we're not we're not abusing kind of the trust that people give us. And uh, you know, every everything that we do from a design perspective on this is really meant to Put the power back in the hands of the community, and you know I do, I, we don't have a, a demo of what the token is going to be here, but we are going to launch a collector token, and basically that token is going to open up you know a bunch of different things. One, it's going to reduce transaction fees on the marketplace. Two, it's going to uh, you know enable you to buy real world services and 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 items. So, for example you know we might have a, you know I, i've been talking about graded cards a lot we might have a service for ungraded cards where you can basically use your collector token to buy discounts for grading services for your ungraded cards um, and we would basically group by some of these things and then offer that to our community through use of the collector token. And then of course, you know, what what would a good NFT project be without a digital gallery? So we we don't have a demo to show here, but you know, imagine a a, a 3D game engine rendered gallery where instead of having a, a Home Depot shelf holding your cards, you know, maybe, maybe that's what you start off with. Maybe you start off with a Home Depot shelf, but then you could spend collector token to go and upgrade your hideout and customize it. You could bring NFTs from elsewhere into the gallery that'll also be displayed. And really, you know, it, it's to allow influencers and to allow people to, you know, create their own digital footprint around their collections. Because right now, I mean, I, I bet, I, you, you you probably can guess, how many people do you think I've shown my collection to in the last 10 years? You know, my full collection. Who have I opened up my kimono to in the last 10 years?
1: Um, if it's anything, like when I show people my hobbies, it's it's the people that live in my house. And even then, they don't want to see it. So almost yeah. zero.
2: That's it. And And the reason why I haven't done it is because, you know, I have the cards right here. I have a piece of glass right there to my backyard. And I have two young kids upstairs. And if I ran around saying, I have this much, I have this much, and I'm showing it off... You know, I I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. So, you know, this is solving a real problem for me to be able to share my love and joy for this this hobby. And so, you know, one thing that's really cool is that, you know, within our platform, you can create links to actual individual items or to your whole collection. And you'll be able to put that link on Twitter or on your social media and people will be able to see that. And they'll say, oh, wow, this is on the Collector Crypt uh, website it's attached to your Twitter handle or your username. And now for the first time I could prove to my, my audience and my followers and my friends that I actually own these items. And that that hasn't been, you know, you, you think about it, well, that's so simple. Why don't we have that? But, but we don't. And, and it's, and it's absolutely, absolutely crazy that there's so many influencers out there on Twitter that go on to Google search and they search for, you know, Mickey Mantle rookie card. And they say, Oh look, I own one of these. And, and they don't.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, like I said, the the verifi- verifiable identity, verifiable ownership. I mean, this is all where blockchain is going. And so, I, you know, again, there's a lot of times where I see projects, and and I go, you you've you've taken a Web two uh, product and you've made it infinitely more complicated with Web three technology and provided no extra value. Um, this is one of the cases where I can say clearly you guys, you know, di- did this correctly and you've, you're utilizing blockchain, um, correctly. And, and I, and I do believe you chose the right chain for as amount of volume and the things that you're going to be, you guys are going to be doing. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about like who is going to be kind of your, the, the, the best use case for these. Um, and it usually starts with a building a community, um, because you know, we, we a lot of things get built in, in vacuums, uh, or in bubbles. And then as suddenly it's like, as you say, you open the Komodo, here's what we have and there's, there's crickets um so talk a little bit about the community you guys have around you today and and kind of where that's going to go uh in the roadmap
2: sure we have we have a few different uh you know i i'm I'm a big fan of segmentation um because there's a lot of different kinds of people that'll use this platform in a lot of different ways so you know yeah you you start out you build in a vacuum because you, you nobody nobody wants to see it until you're ready uh so you know our our community right now is kind of in in two separate parts one part is really interested in this physical to digital uh kind of concept that this is going to be the next wave of blockchain you know blockchain is you know we started out with DeFi, then we went to nfts and now we're going to go to solving real world friction so we have a lot of community members mostly our telegram that are there saying okay we we love the concept of this project we're not necessarily collectors ourselves but we certainly see the future for blockchain solving real world problems like this. So, you know, that that's, that's kind of where we started because you can kind of, you build dreams and you build hope for what the future of something is. Um, a- another part of our community are actual, you know, what I would call utility users. People who are going to get into the platform and really use it to solve some of their real life challenges. And, um, you know, I've had so many conversations with... With, with different people and, and you know one, one for example you can imagine a, uh, a, a, a you know a baseball card dealer that has a store they might do you know 15 20 million dollars worth of uh, revenue per year transactional revenue right so they have their storefront they have the cards in the in the glass shelves they have all that kind of stuff and uh, you know all the time they are they're presented with the issue of okay I have these cards here they're not really selling I've had them for six months you know I got to make some space on my shelf I'm gonna go sell them on eBay. Or they might have somebody walk into the store holding their, their grandfather's collection who recently passed away, and they say, I have no idea what these worth. And then as a store owner, you say, well, you know, I could do the bad thing and I can, you know, offer them a lowball thing and try to take all the cards. Or I could say, well, look, you know, your, your collection is worth a lot of money. Um, I really don't have the bandwidth and space right now to, to interact with it. I'd like to help you, but, you know, I, I just can't do it right now. So this is a store... Right there, that missed two huge opportunities. The first opportunity is just for inventory that they have. If the if the store has the opportunity to sell these items at basically, you know, somewhere between a half a percent, a two percent transaction fee, you know, they'll be able to have much more flexibility on how they price their assets um, without having that you know cliff to say, okay. Once I list this on eBay, I know I'm going to be paying anywhere anywhere between 10 and 13% transaction fees. I'm going to have to deal with chargebacks and returns and credit card processing fees and PayPal and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, you imagine buying a card for a $1,000, bucks. you are hoping to sell it for, you know, $1,100 and it doesn't sell for six months. And then you have to list it on eBay and you take a, you know, $500 loss on the card. So th- these are the decisions that these store owners are facing every day. And with the flexibility of our platform, being able to move from one selling mode to another doesn't have as high cost for them. Um, so that that's kind of one point for the store owner. For the for the for the case where the person comes in with a large collection, uh, you know, the store owner might say, okay, you know yeah, I'll I'll buy your whole collection from you and I will actually pay you something fair for it. Maybe I'll, I'll you know, because I'm buying it as a group, because I'm doing it right here, I will basically, you know, offer you 10% less than what I will be able to resell it for. And if they have a platform with high liquidity, they could just take that box, ship it into Collector, click a few buttons, and within like five or 10 minutes of actual time, I mean, obviously it's going to be in, in FedEx for, for a couple of days, but in actual time that they're interacting with it, 5, 10 minutes, they're able to list that whole collection on our marketplace partner and be able to sell it for a fair price. And now everybody benefits, right? The person selling the items doesn't get ripped off. The store gets this opportunity to make an extra 10% without much effort, you know, 5, 10 minutes of effort. And and the whole ecosystem, when you when you pull that, that sand out of the gears, then all of a sudden this flywheel can start moving. And once that flywheel starts moving, it's, I... I, I honestly believe that we're going to have a revolution here in the collectible space.
1: Well, and, and, and there's a few points that you, you've made that I think are entirely valid, and there's others that you know, are going to need to be adapted to the way communities operate now, which is, uh, I apologize, what was the card you showed me that it was worth you know, 20000 Oh, what, no, what? the
2: Black Lotus, yeah. Black Lotus, okay. So, so yeah, yeah.
1: you know, the, the, the ability for you to say, to go online right now, and say, hey, I want to have a sub-community sub, sub community of, of an already Magic the Gathering community that's only for Black Lotus holders. Um, doesn't exist. You'd have to do the exact thing where someone's just downloading images and saying, you know, hey, here's what I have, they're photoshopping it in. You actually could truly token gate uh, a part of your community where somebody has to verifiably um, have that NFT. It's been verified by a third party. And, and now you can have a conversation with just the black Lotus holders um, about these things, and and I think that there's there's again, like you said, so much utility that's coming um, in so many different ways. And so I, I again, I am not um, I'm not an investor for anyone that's wondering, you know, why is Jay so excited about this? I just really like to see good utility use um, from blockchain projects, and there's so many that it's like we built it. Isn't this cool? And I said, well, what does it? What what's the real world value to this? And they go. Cause it's just cool. And I go, okay, you know, I, I hope I good luck. I wish, I wish you the best of luck. I hope it's really cool. Um, but there's a lot of needs that it's solving. And, and I can say this as, as a father that has two kids um, and I have boxes and boxes of Pokemon cards that are worth God knows what. Um, and, and regardless, you know, they do have, you know, attachment to these things. Um, and they do, they do talk about it with their friends. Even the 15 year old that's in high school, he still, you know, refers to these. Um, this is a great way to get them out of my house. <laughs> and, and to put them somewhere where theoretically, um, you know, when he goes away to college, I'm not just the one that goes and dumps the box at, at, uh, you know, at at Goodwill and says, Hey, goodbye. And then the kid shows up years later and goes, Hey, where'd all my Pokemon cards go? Um, my, my, my mom still tells the story about, uh, all of her original Barbies, um, that, that are worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars today that my, my grandmother had thrown away. So, um, I, I think there's a lot here. Um, and, and I'm really excited for you. What's what's kind of the next item on your guys' roadmap?
2: Sure. So so we, we believe kind of this, the bridge, the physical to digital bridge, as well as the marketplace are kind of two primitives that's going to enable a whole ecosystem to flourish. I mean, I, I love that you brought up the idea of a, a token-gated community. Um, I, I think, you know, not just Black Lotus, but think about Magic the Gathering. Is there a, a community of people that just you know, a global community of Magic the Gathering, traders, I, I have a hard time finding them. You you find little bits and scraps here on Reddit and other forums on Facebook groups and that kind of stuff, but there's there's no place where you can really go and interact with people and actually be able to show what your collection is. Like maybe you want to do a trade and you want to say, I want to trade these three cards for, for those three cards. And we're actually going to have an escrow uh, service on our platform that allow just, you know, free trading between people in the community Globally, like a guy in Japan might want to trade with somebody in Florida. How does that happen now? It doesn't, and so I think these are all things that we are we are on our roadmap. But you know, some of the just the more practical things that we're very excited about. You know, we we we're going to launch a decentralized lending platform against these uh, these pNFTs, and um, you know, in contrast to, to to traditional NFTs like the PFP ones, like your board apes, uh, you know, these assets are denominated in U.S. dollars, right? You have a deep and very historic market in cards that has gone on for 150 years. Um, the, the price of your Black Lotus is not going to drop 30% when the price of Ethereum drops 30%. Uh, but that's what happens to Bored Apes and that's what makes it very hard to do collateralized lending against some of these NFTs. And yeah, projects are doing a great job doing it, but it's, it's hard, right? But for our Black Lotus, right, you'd be able to borrow, you know, $10,000 against that card the card's probably going to increase in value 10 to 15% per year. And because it's, it's a very stable, the, the collectible cards are far less volatile than anything else on the blockchain except for stablecoins. And so they will be an asset that's going to hold value no matter what the market is doing. And here you can borrow against them with stablecoin. And because that asset is so uh, non-volatile, you're able to lend against that card at extremely, you know, competitive rates. So if you look at DeFi right now, DeFi lending on US dollar coin might be what three mm-hmm. percent. And so I'm envisioning a future where you'll be able to borrow against your Black Lotus at you know four and a half or five percent, which is which is phenomenal. It's less than what you could get a new mortgage on your house for. And it's and, because and, and the,
1: it's providing liquidity, which is the one thing liquidity. that everyone misses. Yeah.
2: And, and the I, thing, the problem that I have is that these cards I bought in the early 90s, mid-90s, my Black Lotus is worth 1,000 times more than what I paid for it. And here in California, if I sell my Black Lotus, I, I have to pay capital gains tax to both California as well as the federal government. And I think you add it all up, it's going to be around 39.5%. So if I sell my card you know, for, for $50,000, I'm going to wind up sending $20,000 of that to the government next tomorrow. Right and and which means that I don't want to sell it. I never want to sell that card. But I, how do I get the financial utility out of it then? Uh, so you know, and and blockchain is the only place you could solve that. You know, going beyond that, I think there's a huge opportunity for creating investable indices of these, you know, uh, graded collectible cards. So you can imagine, let's say you have 10000 bucks in your pocket and you're really interested in investing in vintage baseball cards. How do you do that now? You go into eBay and you might buy one or two cards. Hopefully you don't get defrauded. Hopefully you know what you're buying, Right. And then, of course, you have to deal with the transaction fees back and forth and shipping and insurance and all that kind of stuff. But wouldn't it be cool if there were a DAO, an investment DAO out there with a with $100 million worth of vintage baseball cards in it? And now, all of a sudden, you could go to a decentralized exchange and you say, well, yeah, I want to buy $10,000 worth of collector vintage baseball DAO. And now you pay 0.3% transaction fees on the, on the decks. And then you have exposure to that full index of those cards. And then, you know, three weeks later, after the World Series of Baseball and people are interested in the cards, maybe, you know, baseball cards have pumped, you know, 10%. You go back and you say, all right, I'm just going to sell it. And you pay 0.3% on the way out. And it gives you a much easier and more liquid way to interact with these types of assets. And then, you know, I'm not going to get started. I don't think we have time, but there's a whole potential to use these PNFTs as game assets as well. And think about being able to play like fantasy sports games with actual physical cards. You know, things you used to do when you were a kid, you open up a, a, a wax baseball pack in the 80s and 90s. You say, oh, I'm going to build a team out of, you know, these players and we're going to, you know, roll some dice and play a game. Um, with the blockchain, you could actually do that. And I, and I think that is so powerful because now you have people that are collecting these things as a hobby and as a passion. And they're doing it because they love it. But now you could say, okay, take your whole collection and let's play a game with it. Let's, let's create some deeper experience. Let's create some deeper ways you can interact with your hobby. And these things are only possible on the blockchain. And that's why I'm so excited.
1: Tom, I, like I said, I, I, I'm really just amazed at what you guys have built, and and, and in a very short amount of time, um, you know, with a very new technology that's emerging. You know, building on Solana is not easy, <laughs> um, and when I say it's not easy, it's because it's a it's a very new chain that's being rebooted and rebuilt constantly. You know, um, so so the ability for you guys to take a very traditional asset um, and and tokenize that in a proper proper way, and and then be dealing with all the different infrastructure flow, um, and I'm going to tell you the the real Kind of like aha moment for me was the fact that you integrated in the shipping, um, the shipping there. Because right now, when people say, you know, hey, should I be getting into blockchain, crypto, everything else? My, My first answer is, Absolutely. But it's really hard. Um, it's a really difficult thing to do and to self-custody your own capital or your own assets. It's not an easy thing. Um, so anytime I see someone that just has that extra thought, removing a little bit of extra friction and solving that original problem that they set out to do without creating 20 other new problems, I really like to give praise where that's due. And I, I commend you and your team for really thinking through this and making it something that, go, that I'm sitting here in my head going, it's actually easier for me to go and utilize this platform that you guys built for my kids than it is for me to think about just leaving them in, 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 you know, the, the dusty box that it sits in. So, um, congratulations to that.
2: Thank you so much. As
1: we move to close, is there any kind of final thoughts, um, or where can people find you if they want to kind of play with the platform, those kind of things?
2: Yeah, I mean, I love for you guys to uh, to come and join me on Discord. Uh, You know, we're we're still early in the company stage, so I think the executive team is very accessible. You know, my my, you'll you'll notice my my Juzam Jin. That's a magic card. You could search it, and you know that'll be my profile picture in the uh, the Discord. Message me anytime. Uh, You could also find me on Twitter at Twam Holmberg, and you could find our Discord link on our homepage, which is uh, collectorcrypt.com.
1: Fabulous. Uh, y Whales, any of you guys that, that are either collectors yourselves, have uh, family members or, or kids that are collectors, um, check out what Twam and his his team have built. Um, y Whales, I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much. Why Whales was founded in 2021
0: by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show and your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com.